0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Cool. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the members of the teaching team here. I will also be at Unite, which is at 6.30. I got you. Don't worry about it, Scott. So August 7, 6.30, we'll be there. It's fun. Um, in the middle of the Bible are three pretty weird books. They, they feel different uh, and, and they read different and they're trying to convey a, a particular type of learning. Uh, if you're just cruising through your Bible and you stumble into the middle, it, it, it can feel like you've taken a bit of a turn. You're in a whole different language. And so we've got in the middle of our Bible, Job, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are three books particularly interested in wisdom. What what wisdom is, what it looks like, how it comes across in our world. And so as we start this series, uh, we'll be taking a look at Proverbs. Probably the most familiar of those three books, um, especially interested in uh, Uh, wisdom there's there's not really history there's not really narrative some of it sounds maybe a little philosophical metaphysical but the the authors are all trying to help us learn receive and understand something about uh, wisdom Uh, and so we're gonna jump in as you saw in chapter 1 so uh, as we kind of finish out this intro if you need a Bible raise your hand and uh, uh, Bible team will get you one of those Proverbs is especially curious in this sense and and where we're at this morning kind of reads pretty normal but if you're familiar with like a devotional and you've got a Proverbs a day kind of thing you're familiar with how scattered Proverbs can be at times So it's this book about wisdom, but you've got especially here a bunch of these one-liners that just boom boom And they're all over the place some of them pretty entertaining some of them hard to understand um, my brother did a a short-term Missions kind of thing a while back. He was working uh, with an organization that was down in some Native American reservations, and I forgot the name, but it's the one that crosses the border between New Mexico and Arizona. And so he was working for a summer down there and had to make a supply run late one night, driving really far in one of the camp vans, and it broke down, like in the middle of nowhere. And he's on the way to get stuff, and it's broken. And we're, I think, for some reason, I think most of us, the rest of my family was together, at that time, because my brother started texting my parents, um, yeah, my dad's gonna make a reappearance in this sermon. So, for those of you who've been around, my dad hasn't uh, been in a sermon for a while, but but here we go. Yeah, my my brother's texting my parents, guys. I'm in the middle of the desert. The van is broken. Can you pray? And so they're together, and he's like, "Do you have any just like Bible verses? Like it's night, you know. I don't know what to do." Uh, and so my dad, who was a pastor at another church in Olympia, sitting next to my mom, uh, texts my brother, it is better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Proverbs twenty one nineteen. 19. So my family is super normal. Um, and then they prayed or something, I don't know. But, but, so there's stuff like this right, in, in our beloved book. Um, but, but all of that comes from somewhere. And all the other entertaining proverbs and the one-liners that don't make any sense. All of that comes from somewhere. And that somewhere is nothing less than trying to know the mind of God. Has anyone ever tried to figure out the mind of God? What is he up to? What is he thinking? How does he think? How does any of this make sense? Romans 11 the end of this incredible passage on the sovereignty of God um, one of my favorite sections Paul just says uh, for the for the judgment of the Lord right how unsearchable and his thoughts beyond tracing out who has ever known the mind of the Lord in Romans eleven thirty-three, 33 um, but this is our quest then we're given some help and so I'd like to just read the introduction to the book of Proverbs it sets up where we're going as a series it sets up this particular book of the Bible incredibly well so our Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1 through verse 7 the Proverbs of Solomon son of David king of Israel to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Real quick, let's just pray. God, thank you for these words here. Uh, we ask that you would um, give, give us a sense of your meaning, um, what you need us to hear, what you want us to know, how you want us to, to receive your words and to live accordingly. Give us wisdom, in Your name we pray, Amen. So this is a book about wisdom. As I mentioned, there are three such books in the middle of our Bible that have that as kind of its focus. Proverbs is probably the most famous of the three. Uh, Proverbs, as well as Ecclesiastes, were written by uh, Solomon, who introduces himself at the beginning, verse one here. Solomon has unique credentials to write this book because of something that happened fairly early in his life It's recorded for us at a different part in scripture Um, But but in his introduction right these are some of the big names of the Old Testament that you're familiar with So this is Solomon King Solomon of Israel. He was the son of David King David Goliath all that stuff Um, those guys And uh, a long time ago, early in Solomon's leadership, in fact, one of the very first things that happened when Solomon became king was as he was making sacrifices to the Lord. Uh, The Bible says for us in 1 Kings, and we'll pull this up in a second, that God actually came to Solomon in response and said, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Uh, And then I believe we, we have these verses. The Lord spoke to Solomon, and Solomon made his request. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And then they have a conversation. God's impressed with the request that Solomon made. And so he grants it. Just a chapter later, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. Has anyone ever wished their mind understood more than it does? So this was Solomon's request. Leading is hard. Help me. Give me discernment and then god gives uh, wisdom or discernment or the ability to make choices to know right from wrong to know what to do to lead well and so uh reading this book a few times over the last couple weeks to get ready i kind of just was, was wrestling with where's where wisdom at in our world where is this in our culture and, and kind of a realization I had it's one of those things we have a few virtues like this but wisdom kind of stood out to me um, it's sort of universally accepted as good right like I've never encountered anybody say they they wish they were less wise or I don't have any interest in being more wise there's just this sense that it's 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 great. It's fine. It's a good thing to have. It's It's a good thing to have more of. And yet it also has this unique place where especially in our pop culture, it is not one of those virtues that's held before us as something to chase after. It's just not. If you watch movies, if you read our literature, there are other things in our culture right now that are held up with more esteem. Right? Just... General kindness, tolerance, leadership. There are other qualities, characteristics, virtues, whatever you want to call them, that, that could be the, the main focus of a movie or, or would be the attribute that's highlighted in some story. Wisdom's a little further down the list, just in my experience, and yet uh, we, we tend to accept it as universally good. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. And I think that that is true of our culture. And and when something is true of the world around us, it affects a lot of our decisions and conversations and and even some of the things that come out in the life of the church. Um, And and so there uh, is a, a question that's asked of Jesus towards the end of his life and say which is the greatest commandment and Jesus says love the Lord your God with all of your heart your soul and your mind three different things love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind and I think at different times and different seasons we can be better or, or less uh, focused on maybe one of those areas that Jesus says we're to love our God with all of them I would say in the world that we live in, we're really good or at least very interested in talking about love and using our hearts. Um, But but the influence around us at times is to be a little less sure what to do with those other things. So the question, do, do you love God with your mind? That's something Proverbs is particularly interested in. Right? And this is not a This is not a bad thing that you you know uh, we don't uh, acknowledge one or the other but but as we look at this series and and the objective of of Proverbs is to fulfill one of those things that Jesus said to help us love God with our mind this sense of wisdom and so I want to read some of these words again as we kind of unpack what that is, what it looks like, how we get it, this idea of wisdom, this word and this topic that Solomon in particular um, is just so interested in. And I love the intro to Proverbs so much. Uh, I would like to just read it one more time and then we'll, we'll uh, break some of these out verse by verse. To know wisdom and instruction the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction so out of that introduction and some of the things that play themselves out in the rest of Proverbs um, uh, just kind of looking at this idea that that biblical wisdom is is several things biblical wisdom especially out of here is four different things and then kind of under a big umbrella of who God is So biblical wisdom is four different things uh, that I see in some of these particular verses at the beginning of Proverbs. It's practical, it's intellectual, it is moral and self-controlled, and it's interested in the mysteries of life. And then most importantly, so I think biblical wisdom shows itself as being those things, but most importantly, Proverbs could very easily be a an unchristian a non-christian book if you don't keep this at the forefront. Wisdom flows directly from the character of God. Wisdom comes from God. It is Uh, you are you are gaining something of who God is it could be very easy to just pick especially in the second half of Proverbs some of these random quips and these entertaining one-liners and you could write a completely secular book and sell it in self-help philosophy at Barnes & Noble and it would do great that's not really wisdom it's a little different because it comes directly from the character of God the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge something happens if you can admit that you are not the center of the universe which is one of the primary acceptances that we must make in coming to Christ it's not about me it's about God and when you get there you're on the path of wisdom and the reverse is also true Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in the Old Testament, fools means a couple of things. One's probably what you think of, the other is someone who's opposed to God. So when they say fools, he's, he's also making a reference to somebody who's rejected God. Those people despise wisdom and instruction. So let's not despise it. Here's what I see biblical wisdom is, as being uh, practical. Verse 3 of our introduction. Uh, to receive instruction in wise dealing it does us no good as Christians if we believe in a God who promises something for us in the afterlife but has nothing for us now right it it would be meaningless at best uh, pure evil potentially to believe in a God who promises eternal paradise but then leaves us in earthly misery and torment. If God had nothing for you here, why bother? And the book of Proverbs hammers this idea repeatedly as we'll continue through. It is not only avoid sin, that's half of wisdom, it is also come into the richness of life. Specifically, the way that God designed it to be lived. This is true of the gospel as a whole, but it's especially true of Proverbs. If you live that way, your life will be tinged with misery and turmoil. But if you live this way, your life will be marked by joy and security. And so as we go through each of these points, I'm pulling the anchor from our introduction and then wanted to just jump ahead and show two of those later Proverbs to kind of back this up. So I believe it's practical. I believe that's what that means. Here's a couple examples from later in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10 uh, and chapter 11. Lazy hands make for poverty, But diligent hands bring wealth this type of cadence is going to be all throughout Proverbs It's usually a this but that this and that there's a lot of pairs Um, So there's one promise and another and then in chapter 11 those who are kind benefit themselves But the cruel bring ruin on themselves I would encourage you over the next seven weeks uh, to consider a proverb what if God actually meant this what if God wasn't messing around and if you lived this way that would be true we're starting to press into wisdom as God designed it that it is practical for us now because potentially God knows a bit about our world the second thing Biblical wisdom is intellectual. And there's a couple things that point to that in our introduction as well. Uh, At the end of verse 2, one thing here is for us to understand words of insight. And then a second in verse 5 is that we might increase in learning. And so I I said this in our, our intro, but that is something that we uh, tend to admire in people. We, we have a concept of sages, of those who are wise, but at times there's, there's not really a sense of urgency to go after that for ourselves, to increase our learning for the sake of being wise, to fight the fight of... Uh, of learning, of discerning. And, and here's where this plays itself out in our world. It is n- simply not true that the evil in life is painted neon red with big warning signs that say, don't do this, or that on the other side, that good and life giving things. Uh, come with pretty colors and cheerful music saying come here and this will go well life is just stickier than that wise decisions are really hard to make it's hard to walk out some of these things between an act that may bring life to you and your family and and an act that may do damage hundreds of choices are before all of us every day. Some that will bring happiness, improve your character, reshape your life, maybe align it closer with Jesus. Others will do the exact opposite. Uh, From chapter 13, whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever respects a command will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. So there's this sense that knowledge is able to help us in this area. Knowledge and learning and teaching and wisdom brings us in line with something that God has intended for for all of us. It actually affects, Parts of our life in intricate ways. Proverbs acts or, or attempts to be something like a signpost. Uh, but even more than that, Proverbs tells us that the signpost is not always easy to read. Which way do I go? What do I do? Proverbs makes an open admission that that's difficult. Discernment is needed. There's not a book in your Bible that says, read this thing, and then at any decision you get to, you'll now know what to do. No, it says wisdom comes from God, and that's really good because you're going to have to make many difficult decisions. But it is easier if you are rooted in God. It is easier to make those decisions. It is easier to find wisdom the closer you are connected to God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I think that's why wisdom is accessible, potentially even impressive, in young people. Part of what we accept about wisdom is that it comes through age. The more you've gone through life, the more you've experienced, um, especially the more challenging experiences that you've gone through, you've learned things along the way. You've gained wisdom. And yet what the Bible promises is that we also have access to wisdom through Jesus Christ, from God himself. And so you can, according to Scripture, have access to wisdom that you haven't had to learn from experience. And you can have people who have a wisdom that's not technically earned but they're connected to God and so there'll be more on that later the third thing that I think biblical wisdom is is moral and self-controlled so we have a verse here uh, chapter 1 verse 3 to receive instruction in wise dealing, but also in righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness, justice, and equity. I think this is hinting at and pointing us towards there are two uh, almost inseparable, there are two really important elements of biblical wisdom. It's related to your personal holiness and the well-being of others. Right, righteousness, that of right living or just being uh, right with God, doing the right thing, but then justice, equity, words that have absolutely everything to do with the well-being of others. Essentially, there is no wisdom or it is not wisdom if it causes harm to others. Or there is no wisdom. It is not wisdom if it leaves you in shambles, because it's related to your personal holiness and the well-being of others. Uh, here are a couple of proverbs down the road throughout the book, chapter twenty-one and ver- uh, chapter fourteen. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life prosperity and honor so there's the po- the promise on the positive side right as part of biblical wisdom the morality of it the righteousness uh, that one can live with brings good with it and then on the other side uh, chapter 14 it is a sin to despise one's neighbor but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy so Wisdom has to do with the actions that we live out. But it's not at the exclusion of our own relationship with Jesus Christ, that by which we stand for and live by, but it's also uh, everything related to how we treat one another and how we build them up. This is really hard. And I think that's the point. My own Personal struggle is to ever be doing well at both of these at the same time. <laughs> and I've not figured it out. You're telling me that to be wise, to, to follow in the footsteps of my Lord and Savior, that it is directly related to me being excellent at my own personal holiness and the well being of others? I can barely do one of those at a time. I can focus on myself. Forget about other people, or I can try to step in and help and serve other people, and then I'm tired. (laughs) It is my own personal struggle to ever do both of these well at a time, and I think that's part of the point. This is not only from Proverbs. One of the most famous verses in the whole Bible Micah 6.8 says What does the Lord require of you To do justice, love mercy Walk humbly with your God That's the same thing This is part of God's call on humanity This is what it means to follow him And yet if you ever tried that You realize that's really hard That's where the gospel comes in We can't do this on our own and so as you journey through this book what it hopefully will prompt in you is that part of biblical wisdom is a dependency and a reliance on God for these things this is not do better this is you can't but here's what it looks like and I can says the Lord live into what God has always asked of us Right? And as Jesus sums up the entire Bible in that conversation at the end of his life in Matthew 23, essentially, love God and love others. Your righteousness and the well-being of others. Justice, mercy, walking humbly with your God. This is all over Scripture. And God says we need a Savior to help walk this out. And so the fourth thing that biblical wisdom is, very interested in the mysteries of life. Uh, towards the end of our introduction, a lot of it in verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Right, all of these words that kind of point towards uh, knowledge maybe almost hidden knowledge things that require a little bit of digging to understand and what's cool about this is that Christians can be good at the weird and hard things of our world this this may seem out of character or a little unrelated to the rest of it, but but the single primary banner of Christianity is that life has one unavoidable problem and that Jesus has one undefeatable solution. That's essentially the claim that Christianity makes. Everybody dies, what happens? Well, we have a Jesus who solved all of the the problems with death, with sin, with what happens next. The deep mysteries of life are especially important and interested to Christianity, to the follower of Jesus Christ. Those big questions are what we are so well equipped for. Christians are interested in the mysteries of life like where we came from what we are what happens next and how to get there that's part of why we're all here this morning is you've recognized a need right a deficiency a brokenness in the world, whatever it is that pointed you to this concept that everything is not right, maybe there's something else out there. This deep inner longing, this observed uh, dysfunction. There are a lot of ways that God uses to say there is more and it's found in Jesus Christ. And so Christians have already begun to walk that journey of answering some of life's biggest questions. And then there's, there is this claim that in some of those biggest questions, we actually know the answer, or at the very least, Jesus knows it, and I'm going to trust him. But there are, are many and more questions like that, which affect our daily life and, and the lives of those that we love. So it's not just what happens when we die, but there's all kinds of things that we live through all the time. Wisdom offers the Christian the ability to navigate all of these challenging things death, human relationships in all of their glory, heartache, leadership, right? Some of the, the mysterious things of this world. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 down the road. Oh, I apologize. 1920. Um, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. So, through discipline, through learning and advice, th- uh, this is not reserved only for counselors and sages and professionals but God has made accessible knowledge through him as he develops the the ability to walk out some of the hardest things that we have to walk out and then so so the the final thing the fifth kind of the umbrella over all of this um, oh and then another one from Proverbs Yeah, I especially like this one. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, um, but one who has insight draws them out. I love that verse under here. um, That it is God who gives every one of us the ability to speak into things that can be significant roadblocks in one another, but he does not leave them as permanent obstacles. And and, and all of this is is grounded in it finds its anchor and its pinnacle in the one that God sent for us in Jesus Christ and throughout the New Testament different letters different descriptions different books of the New Testament refer to Jesus Christ as the wisdom of God Colossians chapter 2 says that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world to those whom God has called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And then to kind of ground all of this, Jesus uh, preaches a sermon in the book of Matthew fairly early in his ministry. As people are starting to follow him, they're noticing there there are some things different about Jesus. Yes he can heal, yes he can do some things, but he also speaks in a very interesting way. He has something new to say or he has something to say in, in potentially a new and more profound way. And so Jesus is beginning to gather followers and uh, Matthew 5 through 7 this sermon on the mount this this extended teaching that Jesus has. Uh, with so many of his uh, lines that we're familiar with, with the Beatitudes. Right, with the love your enemies. All of these things are coming out as Jesus is preaching to anyone who will listen. And as he wraps up that story, right, you are worth more than the sparrows. You, you can't love God in money. All of these incredible uh, short teachings are in there and the people are sitting around Jesus. And then he begins to land the plane with a little bit of a parable or, or a, a metaphor of a story. And he talks about two different men who want to build a house and they build on different foundations they put their house on something different and at the end of this incredible sermon in Matthew chapter 7 and I believe we have this as well, but, but Jesus tells uh, all of these stories, all of these teachings, all of this preaching, and then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. And then he tells that story in reverse and the foolish one built their house on the sand and it collapsed. But, but pay attention to what Jesus says very specifically, very intentionally after this incredible preaching and then he uses this short little metaphor, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man the connection between hearing and doing is what Jesus associates with wisdom and then we get the metaphor of rain very well around here Uh, the rain came the streams rose right life happened but the house was good the house was good because the words were heard and they were acted upon you could say it the the distance between what you hear and what you do is wisdom what what is what is this is there a difference between knowledge and wisdom these words that are all over this book of Proverbs And I think Jesus tries to answer that in the positive for us. Jesus explains how all of this works. Knowledge is also held up in Proverbs as we gain information, as we learn things, as we observe. But we can say that wisdom is acting correctly out of that knowledge. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge Knowledge understands that the light is red But wisdom puts the brakes on Knowledge sees a pothole Wisdom goes around it Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments Wisdom obeys them knowledge of God can be learned can be observed knowledge learns things about God wisdom loves him so as we travel this series right to center all of this on who we are in Jesus Christ I believe because there is grace there can be wisdom and so Proverbs is is not making any sort of claim that how you live will achieve salvation it's not it's not telling us that if you live this way you are saved if you avoid that you are saved or if you live this way you are condemned or if you don't live that way you are not condemned but it is the application Of some things that are only true because of what we can receive in Jesus Christ who has already made accessible grace and said I as we learn through communion I've died for you I've paid this for you I have achieved security for you Proverbs helps us with what will you do with that What do you do with that knowledge? What do you do with your standing as a child of God? Will you live differently? Will you apply what you've learned? We have access to wisdom only because we have been given the gift of grace. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. God, You are so deep, You are so wise, You are so good. And as so many of us here have received, I mean we continue to receive as we've celebrated baptisms this weekend, as, as we are people uh, changed by the grace of Jesus Christ, We trust in your goodness, we trust in your plan, but God, it can be hard each and every day to trust that for specific decisions, for specific conversations, for knowing when to do something, when to say something, when to not. But God, we trust your plan, we trust your wisdom. Please fill us with more of that over these next weeks as we look at your word for how we love you with our mind, for how we love you with our life choices. God, thank you for not leaving us here with no help, but you've shown us what it means to be people who are, who are changed, that we could be observably different because we know you